Welcome to Two Face Fake Snakes, the new podcast from the little known Irish hip hop act, The Lineup. The Lineup, The Lineup, The Motherfucker. <laughs> That's it. I'm Professor T, and with me, of course, as you've already heard, is Toomey. Toomey, hello. Say hello, Toomey. Hello. How are you doing this evening? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, it's Thursday evening, and I feel embarrassed now because we're doing a podcast and I'm not used to it. Yeah. Well, look, we're sitting in my apartment in Ashdown. We've had a few technical difficulties. Difficulties. We've attempted this a few times, actually. Isn't that correct? Yes, I believe this is probably the fourth time we've attempted to record this episode. But we seem to have the technical difficulties behind us now, and we're ready to launch straight in. So, uh, so it's Professor T, Toomey with a numerical two, and we are the two the members of the lineup. Exactly. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, so. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions to get questions. the ball rolling here. <laughs> no need for doubling here. We're not recording in uh, Chatham Row at the moment. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that later, of course, <laughs> in about nine episodes. Nine episodes. Doubling, doubling. <laughs> um, okay, Toomey, why don't you explain to people what the lineup is all about? Give us a brief rundown of the okay. lineup for people who might not know. But there's at least two things you need to know about the lineup. We're an Irish rap group and we've never released anything. And the third thing is coming back to me now. And the third thing is that we've tried, we've had peaks and troughs, we've had gigs around Dublin. We've had 46 songs, I think, about 50 songs. I'd say close to 70. <laughs> Closer to 70? 46 was far too specific. <laughs> well, okay. I Actually, it is closer to 70. We've recorded with successful artists from Portugal. Uh, we've, uh, we were on the verge of doing a collaboration with Big Steel, uh, an American rapper from the West Coast. And by on the verge, I mean not really that close at all, but it was uh, it was in the back of our minds that it could happen. And would have probably explained The that. first conversation of what would have needed to have been 10 conversations almost took place backstage in the village. <laughs> the first step in a long chain of, of negotiations and proving our worth to him took place and it was an absolute disaster. One story that is part of like a whole massive group of stories that we have to tell on this seven podcast. Stories. Seven stories. Seven in full, yeah. And we're going to do one per episode. And then we're going to do three episodes in between each story. No. <laughs> it's just going to be around 14 episodes and only seven will have stories. Okay, so just to give it a bit of, a bit of more background. So we've been rapping on and off for about 14 years. During that time, we've made many different attempts to record an album, in inverted commas. Uh, we've recorded a lot of isolated tracks as well. We've gone through a number of different producers. People were willing to give their time to produce us. Uh, lots of people have actually given us a lot of their free time over the years. And... We've had like highs and lows of relationships with these producers. One thing that was quite difficult for us back early on was the producers used to always hold the songs hostage and it used to frustrate me so fucking much. Mm. Remember, so we'd, we'd go over, we'd do a recording session, we'd record a song and then you wouldn't get the fucking song for about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of uh, rapping over the years, uh, starting in 2004, it's obviously now 2018. We've yeah. done a handful of gigs in between. Um, and we're going to tell you the story of what happened along the way. And you might think, I don't give a shit about rap music. I don't care. This isn't for me. Well, it is for you because this isn't just about rap music. That's the backdrop to this podcast. Yeah. And it's the true line that's going to go through all the episodes. That's but what nice. this is really about is two friends who have known each other since the age of four, became proper friends in their teens and lived through childhood and young adulthood into their 30s and all of the things that happen along the way and I think everyone can relate to that. 
Some people like to call life a sweet mystery Perplex themselves through the pages of history And oh what it is to be So intellectual to ask what it means Until your eventual death Your demise, you took your eyes off the prize But the skies haven't changed, they've seen everyone die Every lie that's been said, every chance that's been took And every war waged, every heroine crook So just forget it and put aside your preoccupations And when they say the age of innocence is fading Don't believe a word, life's still what you make it And what you feel inside, they can never take it The truth is, you can still be amazed at the beautiful creations your imagination's made so forget about the questions that we beg steal and borrow just live for today don't worry about tomorrow so let's uh put a bit of structure on this so we're gonna start from the start we grew up in uh south dublin and we went to the same primary school and while we weren't friends we kind of associated with each other on and off throughout primary school but maybe let people know a bit of background about when we became friends with each other. So yeah, we, we kind of associated with each other in primary school, but we became friends when we were like 12 or 13, when we kind of, uh, we went to Irish college. Yes, okay. Actually, it was very last minute, if I remember correctly. None of us had planned to go to Irish college. And yeah. I'm just going to say here that Irish college is the Gale talk, and no, fuck you, I'm not saying the Gale talk, because I've never said it in my life before, even though yeah. people give me stick regularly for not saying it. We never said the Gale talk. We always said Irish College. And we will never say it again. <laughs> the Gale talk, that is. Yes. <laughs> and Go on. Yeah. So, yeah, so we bonded. You see, at the end of the school year in summer, every, everybody sort of went, well, not everybody, but a large group of people went up to the north of Ireland to learn about the Irish language. So you went into classes Monday to Friday, 9 to 4, and you had your Irish lessons. And then in the, af- in the afternoon and evenings, um, you were in an Irish, you stayed with an Irish speaking household and you had to speak, you were supposed to speak in Irish all the time. And there was a, a house woman, she just translates to ban on tea. <laughs> you could have done it in the reverse order, there might <laughs> have been better. Yeah, but house woman, woman of the house, I woman, think. Woman of the house, that's more graceful, isn't it? Woman yeah. of the house. And it's actually more accurate. As well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Woman of the house, yeah, and she had us doing the washing up. She she got a great deal out of it. No, she didn't. <laughs> she did. She, did she, she accused um, us of stealing her own money as well. So we were all we were all in different rooms. <laughs> she did. She never let that go. That was a, an inquiry into that. Uh, but yeah, we were all in different rooms and bunk beds. And there was like, so we were there for three weeks, kind of full time in the daytime and the nighttime. Yeah, and, and let's just know each other. clarify here, right? So we were all staying in a house full of lads, and it was all people we knew, more or less. Uh, in the first year anyway but Irish college is you wake up in a house in the morning you have your breakfast at a breakfast table and you have to speak Irish to each other or pretend to at the very least then you get on a bus and if you're like we were at the time <laughs> the bus goes around to all the local houses where people are staying and picks them up and that's people from other houses and it's groups of girls uh, who intimidate the fuck out of us as young children. oh yeah because we, we, we went to single sex primary school and a single sex secondary school yes so we we very little contact with girls yeah yeah. And do you remember those bus rides into, uh, into what was it called? What was the name of our uh, cloche? Uh, Christ Almighty. Oh, it was so fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, it was the perfect opportunity to get to know those girls. Every morning, it was a nice opportunity to get on the bus into like a nice 15-minute journey. But no, we, we didn't uh, utter one word to them. Because uh, we were fucking afraid of our own shadow at that point, I'd say. Yeah, we were insecure, and especially with girls, because like obviously they were an opposite gender. <laughs> we didn't know how to, to comprehend at the time um, but that was really the main reason why people went to Irish college females of the opposite sex to kiss you know. your first girls 
Oh, sorry. Say that again. That was that was pretty much why we all went to Irish college, though, was to like to, to kiss your, your first, first girls, of course. <laughs> Meet, score your first girls, whatever the slang was at the time. Yeah. Because uh, none of us actually had kissed Yeah, that's before. kind of why we... Yeah, none of us at that stage. We were late bloomers in that way. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was at Irish college, but it was... The, uh, the subtext was that it's your chance to grow up and learn about the birds and the bees <laughs> and uh, meet girls and stuff like that. Yeah, so you get on this minibus, you'd be uh, awkward as fuck on the way in in the morning, looking directly at people and not talking to them, uh, playing Snake on maybe one of the two mobile phones that yeah. people had just to not make, not make eye contact with people. And, and we did such a bad job with the girls that eventually they made up a song, basically which translates as the, the boys were, were awful. Nabukali Hufasa, 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 Nabukali Hufasa, Hufasa. And we thought, are they joking with us here? <laughs> they weren't. No, it was an accurate song that yeah. reflected the fact that we were, we were awful. We were Hufasa. <laughs> <laughs> they were spot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't just yeah. you making up songs back then. It was it people was, it was who we people were. <laughs> making up songs to mock us. Mock us and undermine us and belittle us. Yes. <laughs> we got the last laugh when we made up songs about everybody else years down the line. Yes. Uh, okay, so yeah, so you got on a bus, you went to the class, you had to do Irish, then there was like an activity of some sort, maybe a sport type thing. But then really what it centred around, the centrepiece around it was like going to Cayley's, which are big Irish dances, and going to discos. And the Cayley was really wasn't a place where you're going to score a girl, but the discos were like where one of your friends would go up to a girl and go, will you meet my friend? Mm. And they did actually, surprisingly enough. It was a, it was a very straightforward uh, <laughs> process. It was very simple. but It uh, was like a, a, a primitive version of Tinder or something like that. <laughs> The, like the, the, your mate was like the the mobile phone app, and yeah. he went and sussed out whether you were a match, and then he came back, and then you <laughs> went to, and kissed each other. Basically, the middleman did everything. Yeah, like, and then a, and then a, an old pervy man came, came and shook a bunch of keys <laughs> if you we were kissing to your head. If you were scoring each other for too long, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And he took a bit too much pleasure in doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. prick. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. so, so both of it, let's, let's be honest about it. Our, well, both of our first kisses were through that uh, process. It wasn't some uh, romantic kind of with butterflies and flowers and <laughs> yeah. sun rising, the summer romance or anything like that. <laughs> it was it was true. A middleman who had arranged uh, an arranged uh, first kiss as well. Yes. It was. Anyway, so we move on. Uh, so Irish college, we were really shy, awkward, introverted thirteen-year-olds, and we. At the end of the whole process of the three weeks, you have to do something which is known as comortus natita, which is translated to a competition of the houses. So what that is, is each house has to put on a play, true Irish, and you have to put on maybe, like I don't know, between five and ten minutes worth of a production on a stage in front of all of the teachers, in front of all of the students of the Irish college. And it's like on the second or third last night, and it's it, everything builds up to that, basically. So we had to put on a play the first year, but we were so shy and so quiet that we were really intimidated by one of the lads. So our house actually only had a few people in it and we merged with one of the other houses and one of the lads in one of the other houses was a real brash, kind of arrogant twat. Basically. So yeah, so he took charge of doing this play and we were all too quiet to fucking say anything and uh, we decided on a shit concept of let's do a parody of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was popular at the time, but let's do it based on winning a tenner rather than a million pounds and let's call it who wants to be a tenor heir but in his Ridiculous. fucking stupidity he wrote up on the board who wants to be a tenor <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that 
it's funny how we're so bitter after all these years. I know, yeah, this, it's this, great. This man. But it gives you, yeah, like, um, well, we'd have no content otherwise. So. <laughs> it gives us content, yeah. We'd have no content for the 70 songs it, or the four yeah. attempts at this podcast. I suppose if we just said, oh, he was a lovely boy and everybody had their faults growing up. and Yeah, we have to... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that would be interesting if we did that. Maybe let's do the that. The whole podcast was that. Another time. Okay, the next podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll put that down on the plan B. Um, <laughs> right. So anyway, so we did this. Who wants to be a tenor or bollocks? But we didn't really write any dialogue or put anything together, and then the play turned out to be an absolute pile of shit, and yeah. it basically turned into one minute of like a mock game show of who wants to be a millionaire and then us coming on with water pistols and shooting everybody with water pistols and shooting people in the crowd and the teachers absolutely hated it and were furious and we were embarrassed that we put on such a pile of shit. you know what the, the bookily were who fossil that was, that was confirmed that night yes that it was the most accurate statement because that was the most disgraceful disgusting dreadful play that uh, like the alliteration there uh, yeah uh, play it did. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway sorry distracting myself from my own uh, ego there go on yeah okay so we uh we did the play and that was that irish college won in the bag and we got went it's back to school did second year and blah 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 as as luck or fate would have it we all ended up going back to irish college the second time even though me and you hated it hated most it. other people loved well, it i suppose the thing that we hated about it is because we were uncomfortable in our own skin yeah that, that's like that's it we were uncomfortable we were uncomfortable talking to people especially girls and we were very shy and we were sort of excluded yeah. so we went back second year thinking we've matured so much here and we're, we're we've changed completely in the year that we've been in our schools and we're going back we're a year older yeah, but we, when we got back there what we, we, well, we tricked ourselves into thinking yeah. that for some reason, even though we were the exact same people, that it would be completely different and the exact opposite. Correct. And you led the propaganda charge there. <laughs> I did, yeah. And I believed you. <laughs> yeah, I believe. I, like, I, I had everybody. I, I was trying to convince myself, and I needed to convince others around me. And I had, yeah, everybody had high confidence going in there. But it was. It was I be, to believe the, the line that defines that era, in my mind anyway, is we'll be meeting them on the bus. <laughs> and I don't mean meeting them as in bumping into them. <laughs> I mean, meeting them was in scoring them on kiss, the bus. Kissing them on the bus. And so different will it be this time that we won't have to wait until the disco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, won't be a week after we, we're there. We'll be meeting them on the There'll bus. There'll be no middleman. It'll be straight in meeting them on the bus. Needless and I believed it. I fully believed that with all my heart. That ne- it would be a matter of minutes. Needless to say, we didn't meet them on the bus. No. Uh, we probably avoided them on the bus, if anything. Do you know what we did on the bus? We went to the back of the bus, a group of lads, and the girls got onto the bus later. And we played gangster rap full blast at the back of the bus for the four-hour journey, the, the duration of it. I think we played Eminem and some uh, more obscure rappers at the time. And it, it didn't, um, what's the word, it didn't something else to the girls. It know? didn't uh, ingratiate us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an everyday word. Rap, rap, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it didn't ingratiate us to the girls. And it, no. Quite the opposite. I think that it annoyed them. Yeah. And, and we were already on the back foot. And then... They we, were peeved. <laughs> they were peeved. This was they were coming crowd. up with their second track about Bukli Hufasa. <laughs> the Bukli Amadonna. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anyway, Irish College 2. Same old shit. <laughs> Different Basically. year. No change, no yeah. change. Same, same cast and everything. It's <laughs> practically, practically the same people. Um, luckily, the man who won't be named, who wants to be a tenor, he wasn't there, so that's grand. Um, I'd say we were about 4% more confident. But, uh, yeah, we were. We made it to week three. Three. Camortas and the Tita rolled around again. We had a lot more people in our house the second time around. 
And this time we kind of, we didn't have any intimidating presences in our house or we didn't have to join up with one of the other houses to do the play. So we were confident in our ability to actually put one together ourselves. And me, you Mm. and John kind of linked together and John wrote the dialogue, but me and you played the two main parts in the play. Mm. And what we did was we decided to do a mock version of a day in Irish college. So we had in the morning, we had the Irish classes. Then we had some activity in the afternoon. And then we had, I think, a Kaylee was actually the final scene in yeah. the Irish college. And we did a day in Irish college. And a parody, yeah. A parody, yeah, of a day. During that day, all of us played different parts of the different teachers who were in the Irish college. So we took, completely took the piss out of the teachers and really, really enjoyed ourselves while we were doing it. So there was two main uh, characters in Irish college, or actual people, sorry, who became characters in the play. East Coast. Who was uh, true and true, like, Irish person like he just absolutely loved the Irish language he bled green uh, I remember him once t- telling an anecdote about talking to a tourist who said I didn't realise you had a second language in Ireland and he goes yes it's English <laughs> so this is the type of person you're dealing with he's very strict in class he was a disciplinarian he didn't like people messing he didn't like people uh, getting out of line he definitely didn't like people speaking English speaking English yeah, um, strict. really really strict and uh, so I played him <laughs> And then there was another uh, lad called West Coast. He used to take us for music. Kind of a bit camp, borderline effeminate. Uh, very outgoing bloke. But like, they were chalk and cheese. They were completely different from one another. Yet they were thick as thieves. Yeah. You never saw one without the other. anyway. They were yeah. thick as thieves. Well, they, they formed an alliance <laughs> in Irish college and they yeah, became yeah. friends. They had shared interest and they got on. They went out for drinks together. But there was some sort of uh, like... Just a, a, they were different as well at the same Ex- time. They're Ex- very different. Explain the differences between them. <laughs> like you, what, you, I think you have. Sorry, what I mean is explain, like, to me, I always thought it was a tension between them. But what would you find the same? Do you, do you think it was the same? I, I you know what, I, I, know, I, I don't remember clearly enough to, okay. to say, to come up with the... I always the thought there was... Uh, <laughs> sorry for the podcast. Sorry for putting you on the spot there. <laughs> no, but like, if I can't remember anything, that's really shit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Trey, I can't remember that. I felt like I was speaking too much there, so I was passing it over to you. And no, then, no, you, your memory, as we've discussed before, on these things is a lot better. What, so. what I did there was I put you on the spot. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, what I did is I refused. I, put it, I, I had the decision there. Would I go with something? I do not I recall. And I, I considered that for a while in my head. I do not recall any tension between them. <laughs> There may have been tension, but I do not recall any tension. Um, yeah, no, so I remember I, I always picked up anyway that there was a weird tension between them. So they'd be talking to one another, but like it seemed like East Coast, intimidated West Coast, and it seemed like West he would Coast, never have hung around with someone like East Coast for being in the bubble of Irish college. So there seemed to be this weird kind of relationship between the two, mm-hmm. um, and we exploited this, of course, on stage for our own comedic gain in front uh, of them and the other audience, the rest yes, of the Irish college. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so we, we we took ourselves the two shy, introverted weirdos who never spoke to anyone, and we placed ourselves in these two massive speaking roles in a play where we had to stand in front of all of our peers and superiors and speak Irish mm. for about ten minutes, and uh, mm. it actually went really well. Yeah, it was a classic kind of pe- two guys who were shy, uncomfortable in themselves, um, probably knowing that we had more kind of to offer, more about our personality than we were portraying to other people. Give a man a mask and he'll show you his true face. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We kind of we kind of got up there and we were able to express ourselves. And I think for me, there was two parts and just now that... Uh, uh, it's just the part of just being up there and surprisingly enjoying it and not being that nervous and just being free up there and 
and the second part is just how well it went down the the reaction we got none of us were expecting that even yeah. though we kind of thought it was funny but everybody fucking loved it and the, the, the pop was so massive especially at the end so the whole play was like a day in the life of Irish college and we were completely taking the piss and playing on all the various little character traits of all the teachers and just sending them up and they were actually laughing themselves they were laughing they were laughing in the audience so because were, it wasn't mean humour no it wasn't like yeah it was just observational humour yeah uh, at the end of it though we kind of played up the tension between West Coast East playing Coast. his guitar and doing one of the songs that he taught us which was an Irish song and a little scuffle um, happens and then I I'm supposed to do a worked punch as in a, like a wrestling type punch where I don't actually make contact with Toomey but <laughs> I actually don't do that and I do a shoot punch and I punch him really hard in the face and he falls <laughs> on his face <laughs> yeah I, I can still remember the, the force of that punch it was really yeah. you really went for it yeah, yeah. sorry about that uh, uh, my apologies but it worked really well because you no, really it was brilliant yeah uh, I really knocked you to the ground yeah <laughs> it was great for the play yeah and uh, yeah I think like that stood out for us because first of all it was such a rush like there's such an adrenaline rush to to do that on stage. Yeah, like even, we'd never done anything like that before. To do it on stage, get that reaction, was pretty amazing. Like so, and there is a point to all of this as well. So obviously, w- when we did the punch, there was actually a standing ovation. Everyone loved it. Everyone got up and cheered, and they were just so, like, it was just like the best reaction I've ever got for anything up to that point anyway in my life. Uh, uh, would you feel the same? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was distracted there. <laughs> So I was adjusting the volume of my microphone because I, I was I, I freaked out there that it, that the microphone uh, had had cut out, but it hadn't. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, I completely missed what you were saying. What what were you saying? I was saying that like the reaction was so strong that neither was ever, had ever felt that in our lives before, and that kind of really <laughs> stuck with us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, back to, <laughs> back yeah, to this, yeah, boy. <laughs> back to this technology. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of it was a standout moment for the two of us. That and I think gave his confidence. It was instrumental in us wanting to perform down the line. Yeah, to to relive that feeling again, to in even a small way, to relive yeah. the feeling of being on stage, being the center of attention, in a controlled context where you've done all of the creative stuff that turns the wheels of what's happening. Yeah, and I yeah, hate, the, like the creativity is an important part of it. That we put a lot of work in creativity and we planned the lines, and then that that process itself was enjoyable. Yeah, and then to go on stage and get the feedback, but that was exactly. that was brilliant as well. And I was just going to say, I think Boda was actually in in many ways in other contact texts, hate being the centre of attention. Yeah, but in a controlled, flattering context, <laughs> it's quite enjoyable. Being Where it shows our, our best qualities in yeah. a controlled environment where we've prepared what we want, how we want to portray ourselves. Almost. It accentuates the positives and hides the negatives. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I, I think about performance. Or I found similar sometimes in work with with presentations or something oddly maybe it's all stemming back to that experience is i can be free up there because i'm in control yeah <laughs> it's like i'm a control freak yeah but like if if i think we're both similar that like in conversations we, we're not people both people like no everyday conversations we're not the type of people that want to be leading the conversation like i know myself anyway I, i'm more mm. of a responder Depends who I'm with, but yeah, like I, I can be quite quiet and I can be quite introverted around people, and yeah, you're the same. But yeah, yeah, we both think we, I think we both took a lot of pleasure out of the reaction we got. And I remember he came up to me afterwards and went, uh, "I can't translate it directly into Irish, so I'm just going to say it in English." But he's like, "That was the best comortus natiha I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> he shook my hand really strongly, like really, yeah. oh, brilliant. He's like, "That was the best," and he's looking in my eyes like almost 
I don't know, like just looking right into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but uh, then, then everyone else, like we, we, we became like celebrities for about three days. The three days that were left yeah. in Irish college, everyone wanted to talk to us, be around us. And I remember at the end where everyone's signing everyone's folder and everyone was writing these really long messages of mm. just like, oh, it was brilliant and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And yeah, it was great. It was really enjoyable to, to kind of be on the receiving end of such um, pleasure from everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it, it completely flipped around our experience of Irish College, and absolutely, I think we've said before on uh, previous times that we've attempted to record this podcast, and maybe in this podcast that we hated Irish College. Yeah, but when you look back at it, and we have that that memory, like, like there's no way we could no, Irish College the, it, like it was saved at the end. Like yeah, it it did a, a baby face turn. At yeah, the end. It was <laughs> last minute equalizer in week in, three. In okay. So that's basically. I'll <laughs> we'll talk over you talking about football. <laughs> and football pretend like it's all out. Anyways, it wasn't a particularly good analogy, but I get yeah. Cool. Um, so that gave us the kind of desire to be performers in some way. Yeah, that probably lay dormant for a couple of years, but yeah, that definitely gave me um, a little taster of what it's like to be a, in some way a performer. Yeah. And you, I assume, yeah. had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really stood out for us. It was a, it was like a shortcut to being who you wanted to be. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't have to build up your confidence and get good social skills or any of that stuff. Any of that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. so. And the funny thing is, the more confident people who you want to be like wouldn't be confident enough to do that. But yeah. you wouldn't have the confidence to do what they do day to day without thinking. Yes. Yes. So it's kind of you perverse. Think it, yeah. they're sort, sort of people who are more confident like that are often more free in their day-to-day and they're having a good time and they're making other people around them feel good it lends itself to probably less introspection than the awkward weirdos that we were yeah where you have to be thinking why am i confident here and not confident over here why can't i talk to girls yeah so <laughs> what is wrong doesn't matter why i'm just going to create a persona who can <laughs> yeah i'm going to create a stage so there you go, it's a natural response to yeah <laughs> that's why everyone ever in the history of time becomes an artist a musician or an actor or yeah. anything in the arts obviously yeah. i'm exaggerating but there but no yeah it gives you status if that's you read autobiographies from people that's such a common theme that runs through them all anyone who goes into something artistic it's always to combat shyness or an introversion yeah. like that's the need that, that's the gap or the hole in yourself that you're trying to fill exactly yes yeah. that's where it comes from the future's written in the stars, they say But at the crack of dawn, the stars fade away And are replaced by the bright lights as plain as day And the fading twilight seems to say Hey, the day is here, so no need to worry The blue skies are clear and tomorrow's no hurry So I wake up from my nightmares right there and then Ideas spark, I'm creative like a zen So in summation, set aside the situation Break the rules that you made And then replace them with your own time you're wasting Back and forth pacing, chasing your tail Implementing applications, the race may be long but it's only you you're facing Bracing yourself while your reflection is aging It's frustrating what it feels like Not to be winning But tomorrow's a new day And you'll be back at the beginning Let's just discuss slightly now um, what, what, is, what has music meant to you Since you were, a, I don't know, a child Growing up What, what has music meant to you in your life? Um, <clears throat> I knew you were going to ask me this question <laughs> And I was thinking about it that like I don't want to go into it for that long <laughs> What kind of role does music play in your life? Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. you got me. You got me. 
No, can I go back to the first question? So, with name three or four artists to it, films. Well, let me go back to when I was that, like that teenager. It's like not being comfortable with myself and really connecting with music about people who had a struggle. And I think that, like, because I was struggling with myself, I was struggling to be who I who I wanted to be. I was struggling with my confidence in different uh, areas, which any teenager would be. So I sort of gravitated to hip hop music because I felt there was a struggle going on there. It was a different type of struggle than what I was doing. Uh, it was related to poverty and uh, oppression and things like that in rap. But I could really connect with the personal nature of the lyrics and trying to express yourself and find who you are. So it was kind of like, I won't really name too many of the, the kind of rappers, but it was all, like it was a very popular and golden age of, of rap really where you had like, I will name them now. I just, <laughs> I'm just going to name them. I'm just going to name a, a series of popular artists that <laughs> doesn't give any insight into my personality or, or taste. Okay, so Eminem. Have you learned anything there? I liked Eminem. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm being too cynical. Uh, Eminem, <clears throat> Nas, Wu-Tang Clan, Common, <laughs> uh, Dr. Dre, N.W.A., uh, Rakim, uh, Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, um, Dilated Peoples, DJ Premier, Gangstar. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Okay. And, and I could name four more, if, if pushed. But and, and did you... When you were when you were younger, when you so, were in, in your formative years, did you ever feel that you would end up being a musician? Was well, that ever something you thought about? Well, I, I I really thought about expressing myself the way those rappers were, somehow. And I used to be in my room, and I'd be doing, you know, Eminem in that film Eight Mile. Yeah. At the start, was in the toilet, and he's he's doing the voiceover oh, yeah. of a Mob Deep song. That's what I used to do in my bedroom before Eminem did that in Eight Mile. I used to listening along to the rap lyrics and I'd pretend I was a rapper in my room and the audience would be like the wall and I'd be like doing my raps and stuff. I'd, I'd have a common song on and I'd be rapping it like I played over and over again and pretend I was coming. The perseverance of a rebel, I drop heavier levels, is unseen or heard. A king with words can't knock the hustle, but I've seen street dreams deferred. Dark spots in my mind where the scene occurred. Some say I'm too deep, I'm in too deep to sleep. But I'd actually pretend it was me that I had written the lyrics. Yeah. And then I was getting the adulation from the crowd. Um, really? So that, that really, do you know, at that time it really, it meant a lot to me to, to have that outlet that I, I was diff- dealing with difficult times as any sort of teenager does. And I was just having that as an outlet. And the reason I, I think I struggled answering your question more recently is that I've been struggling with music in that the, the more recent rap music and hip hop that I've found, found in the last like five years, 10 years even, I haven't been able to connect with it the same way as the music that I, that I did to back then. So I would say music for me, I'm more of a bland fellow <laughs> in terms of music. I'm listening to Spotify, you know, you know, add a song here, add a song, random song. So I love music, but I, I've, I haven't felt a connection or like a really strong passion for it in a while. And actually, now that I'm talking about it, I actually miss that. Okay. Because I'm really, in some ways I'm really passionate about music. So very good. Okay. Um, so we, I'm probably going to throw it back over to you because uh, that was probably a, lot, a very long minute answer. No, that was so brilliant. What about how? What did music uh, mean to you as you were growing up, and who influenced you, and, and kind of all that? Well, I always listen to music from a very early age. I remember when I was very young, always listening to tapes that were lying around or CDs that my brothers would have. So I remember one of my brothers used to listen to Michael Jackson. And then I listened to Michael Jackson because I thought like that's what you're supposed to do. Like 
listen to Michael Jackson. He was probably the only musician I knew at the time. Then I remember much later when like Oasis were big, like one of my brothers was into Oasis and I would borrow his Oasis tape and, and record it onto a tape of my own. I always seemed to have some kind of recording device or something that could tape songs off the radio or something that could copy tapes on from one tape to another. So I was always doing shit like that. And anytime I talk to people slightly older than me and I tell them that I taped stuff off the radio and I used to try and cut out the DJ speaking over the end, mm. they almost look at me and say, well, you're far too young for that. But I fucking, I did do that. <laughs> I did that in the 90s. Maybe it was after it was popular or something but like I remember sitting there and I used to love what was on the radio I used to always listen to the radio and I would listen to whatever was in the charts I used to watch the European Top 20 on MTV at the weekend uh, I used to watch Top 30 Hits mm-hmm. I used to be I used to love those programs mm. I watched them start to finish mm. and, and it, you could track what was popular what was good music yeah. very easily through those charts and in that like I'm obviously gonna, I'm looking through rose tinted glasses here but uh, I the stuff that was in the charts in the 90s in my mind, it was fucking brilliant. And there was loads mm. of rock music. There was loads of really good dance music. Mm. Uh, later on, you got things like Eminem creeping into the charts, which was unusual for rap to enter into the charts. Like, but maybe like slightly before, a few years ago, you had like Vanilla Ice and Coolio and stuff like that. But like, there it was just always something to, interesting. In there the was always something interesting and new yeah. and engaging. And I didn't really develop my taste in music until later. But later on, I would have started listening to my brother Rob's CDs and. I would have listened to Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd. That was another brother, Niall. But I, and, and whatever was lying around, I just consumed it. I just listened to it. And I remember my sister used to work in the library, and the library had a small selection of CDs. So she just brought home whatever they had that was in any way decent. And they were all completely different from one another. And there was like Neil Young and the Human League and Tori Amos and Tracy Chapman. And I used to just sit there and listen to them start to finish. Um, so I was always interested in music. But I kind of got into rock uh, when I was in my teens. And I've always been more, since then, I've always been more of a rock and metal fan. I was never really into rap uh, that much. It wasn't until really hearing My Name Is by Eminem on the radio that I even considered that I might even like rap. Then I remember buying the Guilty Conscience single, and then I remember buying Eminem's albums later on down the line. And I'm your typical white person who likes rock music who got into rap via Eminem. Uh, later on, I did explore a little bit more here and there and went and to a few gigs. Quickly ended the exploration. <laughs> I went to a few gigs with you and we always continued rapping, but yeah. I never went into a kind of a, a deep exploration period with rap music. Mm. It, mm. it was never my go-to music genre. It was always rock or metal that I went to first. But mm. for me... And I know for you as well, writing rap songs was just a a gateway into having a creative outlet. Yeah. And it was the easiest way for me, and probably for you, to be creative. Mm. And that's why we ended up doing it. Because you really just needed a microphone and a beat Mm. and some lyrics that you wrote. It was easy. It was easy. I I didn't have confidence in my ability to sing. I wasn't able to play any instruments. But I could write lyrics, and I could record them, and I could speak them into a microphone, and then we had a song. Yeah. And that was the beauty of it for me. So while I didn't go into a big, massive binge of listening to rap and adopting it as my favourite music genre, I absolutely loved when we wrote rap songs yeah. and when we performed rap songs and the, the, the reactions from other people. And that's what kept me interested all the time. Yeah, yeah, well said. And I think that was like, like very similar to the Irish College play, that buzz of being creative together and putting work into it and getting it out there. And we got such good feedback again. Um, I should probably at this point mention that I, like in my mid-teens, got into DJing. Um, 
Me and yes. my, my brother was into dance music and I was into hip hop music and we t- together we saved up and we got mixing decks and uh, it was the whole um, Ibiza uncovered phase at the time and all the Paul Oakenfold my brother was into all that so Tiesto Ibiza uncovered Prickly Heat the Villa <laughs> yeah. absolutely nothing to do with DJ the Villa was great no it was all part of the culture <laughs> and I got into the rap side of things so I, I loved I, what I wanted to do at that time was be a scratch DJ hip hop DJ where you're scratching and um yeah, so like I kind of had that that part of me that wanted to be creative. Like I think it was harking back to that that Irish college thing. And yeah, uh, like with another friend, we we formed a little group. I'm just messing around called the DJ Mafia. The DJ Mafia. The DJ Mafia. And at this point, I think we're going to end the first podcast, and we at will pick point, up where we left off the next time on the, episode two. I write at the DJ Mafia. Write at DJ Mafia. DJ Mafia. Sorry, there's no need for that. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Some sort of sign off. I stopped it already. You stopped yours already. Can I, I'm going to continue on with mine. Okay. Uh, only mine is recording. Oh no, wait, I didn't so, stop mine already. Oh, you didn't? No, stop. no, no. Very okay. new to this, very are we, are, still. Are we okay, so we're going to end it here. Or we're okay, gonna pick we're going to end it here, right now. Right yeah. here, right now. Yeah. See you next time. Next time. Later. Bye bye.